as Liam said uh, just a few moments ago and, and prayed, when Christians gather, we sing. And that is weird. Whether you like it or not, that is really, really odd. And what I want to, since get off the pejorative, I want to get to the positive and say, why is it really beautiful, not just odd? Because it is. And it's a massive gift from God. And I want us to be able to see that. So I've got mm, 20 minutes. I'm going to try and go slightly less because it's boiling hot. And also just so we allow more time for cake and also question cake. Yeah, and questions. Uh, all right. So what I'm going to do, do, get, do have your Bibles open. Uh, I hope you've got Bibles, some of them around. What I'm going to do to begin with, I'm going to give you like four things, which I think you know. Um, and from that... I'm not going to spend too much time in those passages. I just think there are four bases, four foundations, which I want to show you and point to singular verses and go, okay, they're true, and then we can move on. Okay, four things. This is like, if you like, the starter, if you're having a big meal, then we're going to get to the main course, and I'm going to give you some dessert application points at the end. All right, so starter, four points. First point, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 if you find that quickly, well done. That's at the end of the Old Testament. It's a little prophet and it's pretty brutal. Okay. Someone shout out the number when you find it. Nine what? It's just over Habakkuk. Nine, four, six. That's brilliant. Chapter three, verse 17 says this. The Lord God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. If you know anything about the book of Seven Eye, it's pretty brutal, chapters one and two. Uh, but the remnant there come back and the Lord rejoices over them with singing. This is the simple foundation point number one, okay? God sings. God sings. And he takes, the one who saves takes tender delight in singing over his people. Our God sings. Got that? Yeah? Point one. Point two. Let's go to that. Hebrews chapter two. Again, someone shout out. Timothy, Timothy, Titus, finally in Hebrews. I'm singing the song in my head. It's page 1202. Hebrews 2 verse 11. This is um, Jesus here. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. The writer of the Hebrews is um, speaking of Jesus. He says, and he quotes here from Psalm 22, verse 2, verse 12, I would declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. My second foundation point is simple. Our Saviour sings. Jesus sings. He sings with his disciples, and you can see that in Matthew 26, if you want to. He goes away and he sings. Mark, Mark 14 as well. But here, the writer to the Hebrews notes that Jesus sings in the assembly of the believers. I won't go to the interesting fact that he's quoting here from Psalm 22, which is the same thing that he cries out on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, yeah? my God, my God, why have you forsaken? He uses the same psalm here, but the end bit, okay? Now, the point being, our saviour, the Lord Jesus Sings. Now he leads the assembly as we gather in worship and praise from that same song that he cried out on the cross. Bullet point two, our Saviour sings. So God sings, our Saviour sings. Third point, go back to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm 40. Again, shout out the page number, the first one who gets it. 
Five, six, six, I win. Okay, for chance Psalm 40, verse three. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Now that phrase, new song, do you see that? You will have seen that a number of times, both throughout the Psalms and elsewhere. It appears nine times throughout the Bible, most of them in, in Psalms, but also in Isaiah 42, he, uh, Revelation 5, and in the last song of the Bible as well, in Revelation 14, verse 3. The point being is this, when the gospel comes, when, comes, when the good news comes to his people, we get a new heart, or as Paul calls it in in 2 Corinthians 5, we're a new creation made by, transformed by the work of the Spirit and we are enabled to sing a new song. A new song of salvation should be on our lips. That is, singing the truths of God's word should be instinctive to the saved sinner. If we're truly a Christian, singing, we have a new song to sing of our Saviour. So bullet point three, our mouths have a new song. Final point of our introduction. Uh, Hebrews 12. Sorry to go back to Hebrews. I'm sorry about that. Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29. Therefore, since, oh, sorry, page 1211. Hebrews 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. The language of Hebrews 12 is, we have come to Mount Zion, verse 22. And therefore, when we come together as Christians, we gather looking forward to that ultimate kingdom when we're with God in eternity in heaven, yeah? But also we gather and participate in that heavenly gathering. We have come is the language. And so we come together and we do so thankful that Jesus has mediated that for us, made it possible for us to be in heaven, but we do so in reverence and awe. We shouldn't do it trivially. We shouldn't walk in here and go, oh yeah, it's great, isn't it, to gather? But it should be done reverently with a sense of awe because we're bound and participate in that heavenly gathering. Four bullet points. Fourth one, our worship should be thankful and reverent. So our God sings, our Saviour sings, our mouths have a joyful new song, and our worship should be thankful and reverent. I know that you know all of that, and I'm sure you go, yeah, I completely believe it. These are really foundational, obvious biblical truths about singing. And so therefore I want to make a few kind of more obvious, bigger points, if you like, about the whole Bible. And they are these three things. One, I want to just point to you very quickly and show you that God's people sing. What you do on a Sunday is very normal for God's people, yeah? I'm going to show you throughout the Bible. Secondly, I want to show you that God's people will want to sing. However grumpy and however tuneless you are, God's people will want to sing. Thirdly, I want to show you briefly how God's people need to sing. And I'll show you why. Okay? First point, God's people sing. Wherever you open the Bible, you will probably find something, some songs. How many, what percentage of the Bible do you think is actually song? Anyone? Come on. You're allowed to shout out. 
20%. Higher! I'm going to play that game. Okay, anyone? 30%. I like it. Well done. Good math there. Add 10. No. Higher! 40% of the back. Anyone go higher? 50? Do I hear 50? 60? Any, no, no, it's actually about 39%. Now, we have three collections of songs of, in, the, in the books of the Bible. Anyone know the obvious one? Psalms, thank you. Anyone on the other two? No. Yes, Song of Solomon. Okay, or sometimes called the Song of Songs. Why? It's the superlative song. Yeah, kids, you can tell your parents the grammar of that later. That's brilliant. Um, and any other? What's the other complete collection of songs in a book, a book of the Bible? Lamentations. Excellent. It's five what we call dirges. You can ask your parents about that one later. Okay? Other songs in the Bible. Well, I just don't have enough time. There are songs everywhere you look. From the four seventh songs in Isaiah, Solomon... King Solomon wrote 1,005 songs, we read, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32. Jesus sings songs with his disciples in Matthew's gospel. Paul and Silas sing a hymn in Acts um, chapter 16. The 144,000 before the throne of God sing that great anthem of praise in Revelation 14. Made in the image of a singing God, as we saw in Zephaniah, God's people sing. Are we okay with that? It's pretty obvious. Give you an example. Exodus 15, okay? God's people escape from Egypt, yeah? And they cross the sea. And and what do they do? Do they get their Bibles open and go, oh, let's just exposit some of the scrolls that we've got. Let's just make sure we carefully understand all the text in its context and, and do a good Bible study. No. They sing. Wherever you look, God's people, uh, when joy, great joy is in their hearts, great sorrow is in their hearts, it is the greatest expression that God has given us, made in his image. He is a singing God. We are to sing. You look at when they return from um, exile in Ezra, same, same situation. They sing. Secondly, therefore, God's people will want to sing. Look, there are numerous imperatives, instructions in the Bible. Sing, 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 sing. Put them aside for one moment. The saved sinner responding to God's unmerited kindness towards you, saving you for heaven, you will want to sing. Can you just turn back to Psalm 51 for a moment? Psalm 51, you will know, I'm sure, is David's um, confession lament for his sin of sleeping with Bathsheba and then killing off her husband, Uriah. Let me just quickly rattle through this for you. Uh, verses 1 to 3, uh, sorry, 1 to 2 are his appeal. Have mercy on me, oh God, I've done this terrible thing. Verse 3 then through to verse 9 are his unbridled confession. He uses every word that the Bible has for sin and every word for repentance in those six verses and then you get to verse 10 through to verse 12 and because I know you're good Anglicans you use it in the um, in the service all the time so create in me a pure heart O God restore to me a right spirit and restore to me the joy of salvation verse 12 now it's interesting 
That is a work of the Spirit, verse 10 to 12. And then you get verse 13 through to 19. And every word for worship and the action of that happens from those verses onwards. How does David respond? Verse 13, he says, I want to I teach people. And then he says, I want to sing. Verse 13. Sorry, verse 14. And praise, verse 15. With his broken and trained or contrite heart. The point is, God renews us. He sets us free. And the right response is to sing. The instinctive response is to sing. One very stuffy old British um, teacher once put it, uh, it's a Bible teacher, very well known guy, and you think, oh, he's a very posh, you know, kind of chap. And you think, oh, he's probably not big into singing, but he was writing about this passage and he said these words a Christian who doesn't sing is hardly a Christian. We are bound to want to sing. It's a heart issue. It's a spiritual issue. When God does this miraculous work of forgiveness in us, we will want to sing as an expression of our massive joy. God's people will want to sing. I'm going to move on quickly. Uh, thirdly, God's people need to sing. Have I got about five minutes? Five minutes. Excellent. Ephesians chapter five. Please flick there. Ephesians chapter 5, I win again, page 1176. I hope I get good cake for winning this all the time, okay? Page 1176. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I haven't got time to go in all the context, but how does Paul instruct this young church to live out their faith? The language is actually to walk wisely. Be very careful then how you live. It is how you walk, actually. Not as unwise, but as wise. To live in the secular culture, Ephesus was a very secular culture, third great city of the Roman Empire. How are they going to live out as we have to live out in our secular culture in which we live, which you'll get an absolutely lambasted for being a Christian as the days go on? How are you going to do it? How are you going to live and walk wisely? What is the will of the Lord for them? The will you see is spelled out in verse, what's the Lord's will is in verse 17. What does he say? Don't get drunk on wine. Verse 18, which leads to debauchery. Instead, he says, be filled by the Spirit, with the Spirit. Now, let's just think about that. Again, a bit of grammar for you kids, because you're amazing at grammar, and we're not, because we're adults and old. So look, notice, it's an imperative verb. That is, it's an instruction, isn't it? It's a command. Therefore, we are all called to obey it. Be filled with the Spirit, yeah? Second thing, note, it's to the whole church. There's no footnote down the bottom saying if you're under age 18, you can't, this doesn't apply to you. Or if, you're, you, know, if you get a bit old and you know, lose your hair, you know, like, no, it, it applies to everyone. Thirdly, it's in the passive voice. And that means it's something done to us. 
To live wisely, to be filled with the Spirit, is something which is done to us. And the contrast is, be filled with the Spirit, don't get drunk, yeah? Now, it's really helpful. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great preacher of old, once said this. He said, alcohol, getting drunk, is an inhibitor. It makes you lose your inhibitions, yeah? Whereas the contrast being, be filled with the Spirit, is not to lose control, Rather, it is the stimulant to help us walk wisely. But what does that look like? Interestingly, in Paul's parallel passage to this in Colossians 3, where he speaks about singing also there, he he speaks of how are we to do this? He says, well, it's to allow the word of God to dwell richly in us. And so how can we be filled with the Spirit? What does it look like? Let's just keep in Ephesians here because it's helpful. Look at verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I haven't got time. Annoyingly, But here we go. I'm going to look at just a couple of the marks of the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? There are four things. Well, there are probably five here. And they're present participles. Again, kids, explain that to your parents later. It's the in-words, okay? It's the in-words, which our translation here doesn't help out all, all the time. Okay, so addressing or speaking to one another. Singing. And making music with your heart, uh, melody to the Lord with your heart. Let's look at those quickly. But isn't it interesting? Paul is saying if we are to walk wisely as Christians in this secular world, we are to be filled with the Spirit. How? And the first two things he says, how are you going to walk wisely and be filled with the Spirit? The first two are about singing. Addressing one another with psalms, hymns, and so on, and singing, making music, uh, making melody to the Lord with your heart. I've got one minute on each, and I do apologise. This is going to be a quick rattle through, okay? Firstly, look at the first one. Addressing one another, or speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Notice the horizontal there. When we sing in church, there is a horizontal element You sing the truths of the gospel to one another, to encourage one another, to build one another up. I hope you do that. It's interesting when we're looking at Psalm 40, verse 3, with the new song, it says there, many will see and rejoice. It's not many will hear when you sing, many will see. That is when an unbeliever, when someone comes in here thinking about the Christian faith, they will spot when you're singing to one another and they'll think these people are truly bonkers but they love one another enough to encourage one another isn't that amazing and so wonderfully distinct from our society out there so we address one another there's that horizontal element when we sing secondly singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There is this vertical element. It is to the Lord as we sing. We want to give him thanks for all that he's done in Jesus. 
Lots of thanks and praise. That's right and appropriate. But see, there's the horizontal, but there's also the vertical. And they must happen together. And we do it, notice it's with your heart. I wonder how good you are at faking it. Parents, when your kids are in absolute pain and you drag them onto church and they're here and all you want to do is just like, I don't want it. you're good at faking it, aren't you? Yeah, it's great to be at church. Yeah, or you've had the worst week ever and you're like, put a good fake on. We all do it. And the more sophisticated and the more wealthy that we are, the better we are at being a fake. The point is God knows. He knows your heart. And you might be able to fool every single person in this building, but you will not fool him. Give up. Give up trying to fool anyone. Our singing should be an authentic, real, everything of us before the Lord. With your heart, it says. Secondly, let me just quickly, uh, yeah, I've got a minute and a half. Let me just quickly, so we've got that horizontal, we've got that vertical element. We're getting to dessert. So three quick things, okay? Just to uh, application, okay? Just to press it home. And they're E's. I'm sorry, I used to be a teacher, so everything's alliterated, okay? So like three E's, okay, for, for points as we finish. Firstly, sing to edify. When you are here in church, it is not about you. It is about you serving your brothers and sisters, your church family here. And from the songs that you sing, the number of songs you sing, even the style of which you sing songs, it is not about you or what you want. You gather to address one another, to build one another up. Your first thing that should be in your mind is that I hope this encourages that person, and then I hope it encourages that person, and I hope it encourages that person. The last person you should think about is you. And if you're ever grumpy about singing a song because you don't like the tune, I think you've probably got to ask yourself, do you actually understand what church is about? Sorry, it's a little, that was a little pokey, wasn't it? Sorry about that. But we'll, let's go on to the second point, okay? So sing to edify, sing to express. It should just be great joy and authentic joy and expression. I know we're British. I mean, look at you. Like, uh, we're very British, aren't we? And yet our joy, if we don't express our joy appropriately, rightly, and right at the maximum end of the spectrum of our joys and affections, when we come here and we gather to sing praises to God, we've got to ask some questions, haven't we? If you get all more animated watching your football team or rugby team or whatever team you love, than you do when you're here praising Jesus. You've got to ask a question, haven't you? Sing to express. And thirdly, sing to experience. Singing takes the power of music and it marries it to the word of God and it creates something beautiful and it creates something memorable. Let me give you an example. If I say some words, I want you to complete, okay? In Christ alone. He is my, 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 this cornerstone this firm through the 
Can anyone remember the sermon points from this morning? I bet if I asked the vicar, he wouldn't have a clue, even, even though he preached them. I preached this morning, can't remember a thing. But I bet you can remember songs. So when the word of God is sung, it is memorable, it is beautiful. Sing to express. I think they're my three points. Sing to edify, sing to express, and then sing to experience. Experience the joy and as you remember all the truths of God's word.